You're listening to the Beyond the States podcast with Jen Vimont. Did you know that you can go to Europe and get your entire degree taught in English for less than one year of tuition at many American schools? Jen will take you on a deep dive into the many benefits and options around English-taught higher education in Europe, helping to make the possibility less foreign. Most of you have heard me talk before about my son, Sam, who is gosh, about to turn 21 and is attending school in Prague. So when he was in fifth grade, he had a teacher who was really invested in him. And even though he wasn't struggling academically, she saw he was easily distracted and she thought it was important for him to get accommodations in place through a 504 plan before he got to middle school. So he went through testing outside of school and received a diagnosis. And though his teacher and I had to fight hard because of the diagnosis, um, of ADHD, he got a 504 plan. Once he got to middle school though, he rarely used the accommodations. They really didn't speak to the struggles that he had. Uh, He tried medication on and off through middle and high school, but that really wasn't a solution for him either. So Sam and I currently agree that we have no idea whether he does or doesn't have ADHD. And in his situation, it really doesn't matter. What we know is that he struggles with executive functioning skills. Things like implementing and sticking with the organizational systems is super hard for him. Getting started on tasks, planning, time management, study strategies, learning from mistakes so he doesn't repeat the same ones over and over again. These are his difficulties. Having extra time on a test or taking tests in a separate room or medication, those weren't going to help him with, with these specific struggles he has. So for a while through high school, I made the mistake of being over-involved, trying to you know, serve as his ex- executive functioning skills for him. He would call it nagging and, and he wouldn't really be wrong. Uh, I don't know how many of you have PowerSchool access. So basically with PowerSchool, it's, it's a system set up through his school and many other uh, school districts through the US. I could sign in at any point and see all of his grades up to date. So I would know when he didn't turn something in. I would know when he had a zero. And his school allowed students to turn late work in and they would just get points off. So instead of getting a zero, you know, if they turned it in three days late, you know, they might have an 80. So I would make him do the late work. I would look at the assignments his teachers posted and ask him if he had them done. I would ask him if he had whatever assignment was due in his backpack before he was going out the door. This was like major micromanaging and it was a huge mistake. So a lot of the guests I've spoken with on the podcast have talked about the importance of students or people just in general experiencing failure and how kids are currently protected from this to their own detriment. And this was the problem. I wasn't letting Sam fail. So because he never really felt the consequences beyond the artificial ones I put in place through grounding or, you know, whatever other punishment he had for not doing his work, but because he didn't feel true natural consequences, he didn't develop strategies. He also didn't really feel like developing the skills himself was important because you know what? He had me taking care of it for him. So then he goes off to college. And not only does he not have these important skills because I had compensated for him, but he also has a false sense of confidence because between me, micromanaging, and the school system of both grade inflation and also letting them turn in late work, he never really experienced failure academically. In fact, he graduated high school with a really strong GPA. But I have to tell you, college in Europe, particularly the Netherlands, is no joke. 
there's there's really not the handholding. There are resources for students to have for help, but students have to be proactive and seek these resources out themselves, which is, of course, another one of Sam's struggles. Failing a class is really not rare. In fact, last year we did a roundtable with our student ambassadors, and most of them had failed at some point since they'd been students in Europe. So Sam really did have an awakening that year when he failed uh, a class. COVID restrictions went into place the spring of his first year. So these restrictions are actually pretty beneficial to him because he had less social distractions and was able to short term do what he needed to do to pass the year. So after his first year, he had some awareness that he had some deficiencies, but still not the skills. So then he goes into another year with similar difficulties, along with the obstacles created by a year with COVID restrictions and on-year classes. It was after this year, after his second year, that he finally realized, or at least he agreed to appease me, that he would get help. As you may know, I'm, I'm a former therapist. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, not practicing though. So I knew that we could probably get insurance to, to cover therapy, but I also knew that the approach, like, like medicine or 504 accommodations, really wouldn't provide him with what he needed. So I started looking into executive functioning coaches and uh, we found private prep. So Sam has an executive functioning coach, Eliza, and he works with her twice a week. Together, they have implemented strategies around studying, around planning, time management, you name it. And these aren't just, you know, the same strategies that she gives all of her clients who work with her. These are strategies that she and Sam developed together, ones that work for his own individual way of functioning. So, of course, we know how much executive functioning skills are needed for academics. But let's look at adult life, especially adult life living abroad. Uh, Sam moved to Prague at the end of January when we finally got his visa in place. He'd been studying online here from home for the first semester while we got all those ducks in a row that he needed uh, for the visa. So one of the many tasks he needed to do when he got to Prague was to open a bank account because, you know, those international transaction fees add up like crazy. So think about the planning involved with opening a bank account in a foreign country. First, you need to identify a bank that either has English speakers or find someone who speaks Czech to go with you. And that subtask in itself takes planning. You then need to find out if you need an appointment and if so, make one, possibly coordinating with the person who might be going with you to translate. Then you need to make sure you have all the documents you're gonna to need to open the account and also figure out how to have the money that you need to open the account. I can tell you, having done this myself in Portugal is really not an easy task, even for an adult with pretty strong executive functioning skills. But it's processes like this, in addition to academic, of course, that Sam and Eliza work on together. It's not only academic success and skills, but important life skills that this is helping with. Executive functioning skills come easily for some of us. My daughter, for instance, has been developing and implementing strategies, you know, since she could read and write, probably before then, actually. I don't even know how to sign into her power school access. I've never needed to. But this part of the brain doesn't fully develop until people are in their mid-20s. So some people might struggle as young adults and then be fine later in life and, you know, just develop slower. But I'll tell you, my husband is in his mid-50s and he still struggles with executive functioning skills. When we were dating, he had a pile of unpaid bills 
not because he didn't have the money, but because he didn't have a system for paying them on time. Uh, he also missed a flight once due to planning. This is also when we were dating. Uh, he missed a flight because he didn't plan well. He didn't manage his time well. He's missed them more than once. But this particular time, we were meeting in LA for a vacation. And this was you know, before the time of cell phone. So there I am waiting for him at the gate where he's supposed to get off. I had landed before him and I had no idea, you know, the last, the pilot ends up getting off. Tom didn't get off the flight. I had no idea when or if he would even make it there. So suffice it to say the trip did not start out well at all. But in seeing the progress that Sam has made with Eliza, Tom's also planning to work with them as well in the coming months. I'll tell you, is it cheap? No. But it's been worth every penny, and I wish we had done this in high school. So I'm excited for you to hear from Jenna Prada today. She helped develop this program at Private Prep. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with the interview. I'm Taylor, and I'm from Washington State and entering my second year of study at HU University in the Netherlands. I learned about my Beyond the States because my family originally had membership for my older sister, who ended up attending a university in Prague. Even though that experience gave them a great understanding of college in Europe, my sister and I have different interests and goals, so they knew that they would return when it was time for me to check for the options. Both me and my sister used the Best Fit List service along with a membership. I filled out a form that had questions about things that I like to do, my academic areas of interest, preference about my location, my academics, budget, and so much more, and I sent it to Jen. Jen used this information to come up with four of the best options specifically for me. This wasn't just a list with the names of schools. She gave information about things like courses in the program, the location, admissions, information, and why the specific program was a great fit for me. Without this list, I may not have had this program on my radar or found this school. The best fit list will save you so much time and prevents you from making mistakes in your selection. It's super fun to explore the database, but felt less pressured after giving this list. If you're a junior or especially if you're a senior, I highly recommend you to order the best fit list. Check out the show notes for details in a link or visit the services page at beyondthestates.com. Today, I am talking to Jenna Prada. Jenna is a New York State licensed teacher and administrator with a decade of experience working in some of New York City's most successful schools as both a teacher and administrator. Her experience in education are extensive and include tutoring, teaching, as well as work around behavioral and academic interventions for grades 6 through 12 at the Institute for Collaborative Education, where she worked with a variety of learners, including those with ADHD, SLD, anxiety, and processing disorders. She left her career with the New York City Department of Education after her first child was born and has since built a new career at Private Prep, where she's currently the Director of Executive Functioning and Special Education. Um, she has served as the Director of Tutor Experience and the Director of Tutor Development, and she is also the creator and director of their Executive Functioning Program, which has impacted my life so much and my son's life and what we'll be talking to her about today. Jenna, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. I'm excited. So can you tell our listeners what executive functioning skills are? Yeah, I think uh, the easiest way to describe them is executive functioning skills are the skills we use to set goals, make plans to achieve them, and follow through. 
right? And that sounds simple at first, (laughs) Uh, but when you start to break it down, there's a lot involved with that. So if we think of a student who wants to do well to eventually get into a college they're excited about, right? So one, we have to define what kind of college am I excited about, right? Then we have to say, okay, what will it take for me to get accepted into that college? Wonderful. If I'm a sophomore, that's several years away, right? What do I have to do today to get there? I might be able to make the plan. I have lots of students who make a plan um, and it's a good plan, but they have no sense of time. So when they go to execute on the plan, it kind of falls apart. And so then there's the time management piece. There's the motivation piece. There's the like, where is the thing I need to do that piece? Right. Um, (laughs) So kind of being resourceful then too, huh? Resourceful. Absolutely. Yeah. So we do a lot of self-advocacy work with students learning to ask for help and kind of, because we need to ask for help to get the things we need, right? To follow through on our plans and reach those goals. Right. Right. An organization, organization, planning. We do a lot of calendaring. We also do a lot of, um, people don't think of prioritization in the context of information as well as tasks, right? So we do a lot of also like teaching students how to annotate or taking notes and knowing like when I leave a lecture, what were the most important ideas from that lecture? Interesting. So prioritizing the information you receive, not just prioritizing your day or your tasks. Correct. Interesting. Interesting. And what's important and what's not. So how do these skills just generally develop in people? And and is there a time in which the development of these skills is generally achieved? Yes. Right. Like generally sure. Right. And so I think we think of the brain as having two major growth spurts, right? It grows for a long time. So the first is when we're born up until about three, right? Um, And you see development of some executive functioning skills at that point, right? We start to have a little bit of response inhibition, right? You start to see young children have goals, right? Like if you've ever seen the kid like fake cry to get mom's attention, they had a goal, they made a plan and they executed Awesome for the mom. And then uh, the next growth spurt in the brain happens somewhere. Damn, numbers are so scary because I feel like there's a parent that's listening to this that like has a 12-year-old and I'm about to say it could start at 11 and I'm going to make them freak out, right? (laughs) So the next growth spurt starts somewhere normally between the ages of 11 and 13. Uh Um, It's closer to the 13 end for boys. Um, and it can get delayed by two to three years in students who have certain developmental disorders or difficulties. So like ADHD, um, often results in a delay of two to three years in our prefrontal lobe development, which is where the executive functioning skills live. And then that development continues through our like mid twenties. Right. And so, you know, we see education respond to these different stages in different ways, right? Um, There's a big step up often like in middle school, which corresponds with that 11 to 13 start of developmental skills, right? And then it's interesting, right? Because we have lots of expectations that continue to pile on for our kids um, through adolescence. And the reality is, no one who graduates high school has a fully developed brain. Right. Uh, and so there's a lot of part of our job that's also expectation setting with parents, right? And sort of 
just reminding them of what's developmentally appropriate and they're still working on this. And even when they get to college, this is why college have lots of supports because uh, we're just not there yet. <laughs> so basically, so they start somewhere between 11 and 15, depending on gender, depending on other yeah, challenges and continue developing until the mid twenties. So what about my husband's in his fifties and doesn't have a lot of these skills. <laughs> what about that? Are they things that just sort of um, innately happen or do people need to learn these skills? How does that work? It's a, that's a both and proposition, I would say, right? So just as there's different cognitive profiles that affect the development of our prefrontal lobe, right? There's also we all have different cognitive profiles, right? Right, And so you said your husband, I'll say my husband, hopefully you'll <laughs> um, he has ADHD mm-hmm. and we know that his brain struggles to transition. It is a fact. We have the EEG data to prove it. And that just is. So hopefully what happens as you're an adult, right, is that you learn about your brain and you've experimented with a number of strategies And you sort of have figured out how you as an individual function in the world. And so I think there's a lot of trial and error to successful executive functioning skills. You know, I myself, this is what I do. And every year I'm like, why don't I try this new thing? I could improve. Here's, I mean, it's a podcast, but if I turned my computer around and showed you my desk, like, it's not great. Um, (laughs) And so... Yeah, it's definitely a lot of learning as we go. You mentioned ADHD, and I'm a former therapist. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And when you're going through some of the executive functioning skills, certainly a lot of them relate to diagnostic criteria for for attention deficit disorder. Can Can you talk about that overlap? And can a person struggle with EF skills without having attention deficit disorder and vice versa? I'll say this. I have never met someone who has ADHD and doesn't struggle with executive functioning, right? (laughs) And it might not be every aspect of executive functioning, but focus is an executive functioning skill. Response inhibition is an executive functioning skill, right? Um, And so, you know, referring to the diagnostic criteria for ADHD, like those are two of the big ones. And then as far as can someone struggle with executive functioning and not have a diagnosed something? Yes. Right. I mean, I think it is true that when we get into the extremes, lots of times those difficulties in executive functioning are connected to something else, right? You think of like an extreme of someone who can't prioritize and organize, like that person is a hoarder. Mm. But again, I'm not a hoarder (laughs) and I, and I'm very good at setting up an organizational system as far as my physical things, but it's difficult for me to maintain, you know, there are lots of people who just resist kind of having a to-do list or using an app to support them. Right. And that manifests in difficulties with executive functioning. Cause if you're not using something to help you keep track of your life. You drop a ball, you don't plan well because, oh my God, there's this thing. But that's that's not pathological, right? That's not anything we're going to diagnose. That's like, just get something to help yourself. You can't remember it all. You know, it's really interesting. Um, 
you say that, you know, as you know, and as our listeners know, my son uses your services, not directly with you, but one of your, your coaches. And it's so interesting how, how having that accountability and hearing it from it, someone who's not his mother has impacted him. I mean, I assure you, I have talked to him about tools and resources until he's ready to rip his ears off. But then Eliza, his coach, will say, hey, why don't you try this? And he's like, yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> you know, and just, and then having to go into the call next week and say, yeah, you know, I did try this and and here it is. It's, it's uh, really incredible the impact that can have. Yeah, I think it's interesting. That's so true, that observation um, of kind of just the value sometimes of a different human. Right. Yeah, that's real. Right. <laughs> I think, you know, when kids are growing up, there's so much we're telling them as parents. My kids are young. I've got a five year old and an eight year old. Right. And I can imagine. <laughs> Like by the time they're 12 or 13 and they need to start managing themselves more, they're like they're pretty sick of hearing my voice telling them what to do and giving them ideas, right? And so uh, just a different person. Absolutely. <laughs> has a lot of value. <laughs> Absolutely. And someone who is seen, you know, I mean, my kids don't see me in, as an expert in much, you know, sure. uh, and I think that's that's normal. And Sam's growing out of that. Some he's twenty. My daughter's seventeen, and I still know nothing, according to her. You know, so somebody who can be seen as an expert in an area. Yeah, yeah, and I think somebody who just has, you know, there's so much out there. Right. Right. Like, I'll meet with a kid. And sort of have in my head, like, oh, this is the planner this kid needs, right? Because we're all very individual in what our needs are, right? And what our strengths are. And I can still go down like the planner rabbit hole for literally hours. And so, you know, our executive functioning coaches have a list of like, here's our 20 favorite planners and why. Oh, and that's awesome. That's awesome. Right. And so like, I think there's also just like, you don't have time for that. Right. Right. And so it's, you like, you could do it, but not everyone needs to have a list of 20 planners. Right. Absolutely. So, so how do you, with Sam, it was pretty clear cut for us. You know, he, through high school, he was able to coast by even without strong executive functioning skills. He could, you know, blow off a class all semester and then make it up at the end, you know, with makeup work and extra credit and still get good grades. And so he could function without these skills and, and did well in high school. And then when he got to college, it was, especially college in Europe, where the handholding is not there, the great inflation is not there, and the expectations are high, he really, it was genuinely hard for him, which high school wasn't. And so it was very clear for us and for him at that point, okay. Now I, I need some some different systems. So because it was such a struggle, it was clear to everyone. But how can a parent know, especially when kids are in high school and can squeak by? How do you know? My kids make me so nervous. Totally, totally. So how can they know whether, okay, you know what? They're fine. They'll be fine when they get to college. Or we should get some systems into place and maybe some assistance with this now. I mean, okay, I'm going to give like, two answers. Am I not doing it? Yeah, totally. My answer is 
first and foremost, like if they don't have systems that you or they can identify, they need them. Right. Right. There is no kid that grows into their adult life and doesn't need any systems. Right. Um, now convincing the kid of that, it's a different story. Um, right. But you know, we're actually now I've got, 